Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or other healthcare provider, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everyone to season two, episode 52 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. And if you liked last week's episode, you're gonna love this week's episode. That's right, it's part two of the interview I had with Dr. Steve Giannoutsis of I Smile Orthodontics. This was a tour de force of an interview. We're gonna pick it right back up where we left off. So brew another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Welcome back everybody once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports, and as I teased in the introduction, this is part two of the interview that I did with the founder and CEO of iSmile Orthodontics, Dr. Ch- Steve Chianutsos. It was a tour de force of an interview, one that we went really deep in part one around cost of capital, getting dry powder, a growth mindset, not playing defense, but playing offense. We talked about the incremental cost of a rising rate environment, how to think through those things and how to prepare your business for scale, potentially through an economic downturn. We left off with that thought process around incremental cost of capital. Today, we're going to pick up the interview and talk more about operations, integration, the value and the mindset around a fully integrated business, all the way from dry powder to operations and integration to buy side analysis. This is a wealth of information that's about to come at you fast and furious. And Steve is really candid in a lot of his assessment. So like I said in the introduction, get your pad and pen ready, get dialed in. Here's part two of the interview. Let me kind of circle back on something real quick, Steve, because you you mentioned, you know, connecting things, uh, 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 the the capital raise process, and then connecting things back to your growth strategy and executing at an operational level. Um, when we were talking a, a couple of minutes ago, one of the aspects of our working relationship, I mean, our our company to company here, is that you've been working with Aiden Bradley in a fractional COO role for a, a little while. I, this is a little bit of a deviation, but I wonder if you couldn't maybe, since we're talking a little bit about operational execution, if you wouldn't mind just touching on, uh, you know, how how Aiden has worked with y'all, the fractional COO impact, you as the CEO, and, and maybe give some context around that piece of it. Yeah. So what has been super, super helpful for us um, has been really First and foremost, your help in general, and, and I'm not trying to make this a commercial, um, but it's really how I feel, you know. Um, and what we did was we did this the right way. And the right way was a multi-pronged approach, right? We started 
uh, at the same time as we looked at our capital raise side of things, right? We also looked at how we were running the business and we said to ourselves, um, we said, let's try to do the following. Let's try to, to, as we're attempting this raise, which worked out beautifully, right? Let's engage the current team and have them, because we have an org structure with the COO and people in marketing and regional managers and office managers and so forth, and really begin to build that culture, right? So Aiden, to his credit, um, from afar, has been able to partner with leadership, which has taught me a lot, you know, partner with our leaders to help them understand my vision for the business currently and its future, its growth, and empower them because he's been experienced in doing this stuff, really boots on the ground, as I understand orthodontically, um, as I know now, he knows what he's talking about. And he was, he's been able to empower them. So while we were working with my money guys and my spreadsheet guys and my finance guys on the one end, right, we didn't neglect the operational piece on the other end. And there were so many very important things. And when you look at somebody like Aiden, who understands, you know, what it looks like for a single practitioner who wants to grow his or her practice to multiple locations and ultimately buy and grow, whether it's a maybe private equity group who wants to enter a new space, you know, he understands that very well. And I, and I do want to say, say something, you know, just like people say, you have to stay hungry, you've got to operate like your startup, right? You have to operate and think about always, even though I'm enjoying this process, right? You got to think about what it looks like on the sell side, right? So you guys have helped me. Um, I'm looking at what, what buyers look at, not because I want to be bought, but because I want to understand what a, a, an attractive bride or groom, as it were, looks like, because I want to be that person, right? I want to be that. It's akin to, again, tying multiple things together, the idea of what does one do with their home? They fix it when they want to sell it, right? And they really fix it when? After they've gotten a lot of looks, it's gone stale, nobody likes it, they spend a lot of money, right? They sell it, not for a premium at that point, and they've never enjoyed that beautiful kitchen or the bathroom or the extension, or the paint job on the outside, right? They've never enjoyed driving down their driveway and loving their home. They forget about it. We do a lot of this stuff with our practices. So what Aiden was able to do um, in, in not existing as an island was to tie in that, that financial piece that you guys on the other side were helping us with operationally, right? And now that we have the finance financing in place, it's really easy to plug and play, right? Because we've been working on that at the outset. And there's still a couple of things we need to do, but we've all been thinking, we've changed our mindset. Um, and so, I, again, I can't impress, I don't think adequately enough on the listeners, how important it is to have that in place in your organization, whether it's through asking Polaris, to help or, you know, hiring an individual to do that internally. But he's been super instrumental in doing that. And, and I'm excited for what comes ahead um, 
with him because in the, in the coming weeks and months, as we begin to target our acquisitions and our new builds, right, we will continue to work together. So the current team in place and leadership and, and everybody boots on the ground, Aiden, and you guys to make sure that on the fiscal sense, it, may, it, it makes sense, on the fiscal side, it makes sense. And operationally, we bring them in the right way. So, so this is a, it's a really, really great point. And let me just, let me try to drive it home with, with one other aspect here, because I think, you know, when we talk about drive powder and a capital raise process, we talk about um, acquisition opportunities and growth strategy and all that kind of stuff. Op- operations and the execution of where those two things come together often get neglected. All right. And and you can't impress upon people enough that it's not just about identifying practices and buying them. The integration is where you get paid. All right. And, and that is where you, you make your money. You're able to realize the full potential of your scale. And it's also where the business stays glued together in the event of a potential exit process. If you're for all of our audience, if you're <clears throat> um any type of fitness fanatics or how many times have you heard people talk about like um, strengthening your core, you know, the core muscles? Why, why is that? Because your core allows stability. It allows you to lift more. You heard the old analogy of you can't shoot a cannon off of a canoe. There's all that kind of stuff um, that when you neglect operations and the execution fall flat, falls flat, you created a mess for yourself. So I think the tying that together is, uh, um, is is really really key there. Um, if I could ask one more thing, I know we're running a little bit short on time. That's here. okay. I'm enjoying this. You're a great company. <laughs> we we started out talking about the merits of patient care, and we're we're soon going to neglect that or, or whitewash that from the podcast. But I, I wanted to I wanted to connect this um, between funding and and operations or, or integration. I want to connect this one last sort of uh, train of thought into the buy side process. You are in growth mode right now, and and we've worked together um, about how to how how acquiring practices should look from a buttoning it up standpoint, and and you know the the growth that you anticipate coming in the in the coming years. Um, knowing that the business is operationally sound, fully integrated, uh, and that if you ever did want to potentially pursue an exit, that there wouldn't be too many landmines, gotcha moments, or, or excessive points of stresses that we typically see for businesses that are uh, less well integrated, I'll say. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about that kind of buy side piece of it? Just touching on some of that? Yes, yes. And, and, I'll, and I'll add one other important thing on the buy side. As we were preparing to be the buy side, right, with this facility, uh, there was a very, very rigorous reorganization. I mean, from the, the things that we, when we're busy, many of us are wet finger dentists on some level. Uh, some of us have been doing more of it now with this whole COVID and post-COVID challenge and finding people and quality people and so forth. And so what ends up happening is, is there are legal and business things that happen. We sign something, we docu-sign it, we send it. We don't know where it is. And then we can't find it until the bank wants it or whatever. And so there is organization that is administrative. And I can tell you that I looked like a mess. 
I felt like a mess. Today, as I speak to you, as a function of both the, maybe there's three or four different elements to this, you know, the, the raised side, you guys, proper legal representation, which I've been blessed with throughout, but we had the right people for this sort of thing, right? Um, a lender who put us through the ringer, but really helped us in putting us through the ringer, right? Because forced us to organize. Aiden, you write all this together, allowed us to be administratively sound. Because you mentioned integration, which can't be integrated well unless you're administratively integrated as well, right? And so, so we did that. And in addition to that, right, we've set up a system where if there is a practice or a group of practices that exist that seem like good candidates to join us or to be bought, we have a system in place for evaluating those practices, right, with Mark, right? And so because we have the organizational structure intact, right, which we weren't before, because we have somebody like Aiden helping us fractionally there, because we have you guys, because we have the dollars, because we've organized very well, right? The question is, how does this practice look or group of practices look? How do we integrate them into us? What is the cost of that capital, right? How does that look? And then we can talk about kind of the, the incremental growth and savings and so forth. So I think that the best way for me to explain to the listeners is to compare it to what I did before. Before it was quite literally, ah, looks like it cash flows, we'll figure it out, right? And it was, uh, and, and I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this and nodding their heads or, or maybe inhaling deeply, right? Uh, because of their own experience currently or, or in the past. And so I'm happy to say we've eliminated that. You know, now I know now objectively when to pass on something. I know now objectively what I'm willing to give or give up on, right? Um, to this, to the seller, to who we're going to integrate. So on the buy side, we've become a lot more refined, right? Uh, strategic, smarter, I'll say, right? And again, I mentioned the idea of you know being able to integrate beautifully so that we can add value to the patients that we acquire, right? To the docs that come on board with us because we love when our selling doc stays on board for a while. I mean, that's the greatest compliment, right? To him or her and to us, right? And then it helps us because many people say, well, you know, I really care about my, my patients. And we said, great, well, help us prove it, right? Stay on board, bring that goodwill on. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of you for that. We'll pay you a premium and help us bring on somebody new to continue that vision that you had, right? And that quality of care that you had. And so we're able to do all of that, right? In a way that, I'm gonna say seamless, although it isn't because there are always hiccups and hurdles. Um, and so if I look forward five years from now, I know that whatever business we add on, you know, that's gonna create not only value on the balance sheet, but also with respect to cash flow. And that was a place where we had struggled in the past because we were very healthy very profitable, but had cash flow challenges. And now we, we know how to maneuver around that. This is a tour de force right here, Steve, because everything you're talking about, 
um, from operations to uh, executive level to business development are resources that enterprise level DSOs have in spades. Uh, that's where they make their the value of their equity and frankly, where a lot of their operating partners earn their payout. But we don't see much of that uh, in an emerging group space like you find yourself in. And, and I think everything you just shared with our audience is critically important um, in, in terms of elevating their mindset to play the game at a higher level. And, and that is crucially important um, to making this journey worth its while. What, why don't we, uh, you, you mentioned like the next five years, why don't we wrap up today's discussion with just your outlook um, around you know, what you are trying to build, the, the why behind it, take a couple of year outlook for our audience and um, maybe, maybe paint by numbers on some of that. So the why, right? That's a Simon Sinek question I, I love. The why, <laughs> yes. the why is because I started started this interview with you today, this phone conversation, this Zoom call, just telling you about what it is that got me into dentistry to begin with and ultimately orthodontics. And it was really a passion uh, born out of an amazement uh, about the profession in general, orthodontics in particular. And all along the way, and I'm sure this will speak volumes to, to probably all the listeners, we lose ourselves a little bit, right? Whether you're operating one practice where you are the COO, CFO, CMO, CTO, and whatever other alphabet suit of things you want to be, right? And the janitor often and the lead assistant and so forth, right? And along the way, you lose yourself. And so that happened to me. And I'm in a place now where my passion has been re-energized really for the for clinical practice. I'm really enjoying practicing again, but I'm loving the opportunity to be able to, because it was forced on me a little bit uh, through, again, all these changes with COVID, losing people and being forced to think about the numbers and so forth and work to the numbers in a way that we didn't before, right? And so the why is really for love and a passion for the profession and to build something great. And I'll define that a little bit because I think people say that and they don't really, they don't really have the guardrails set up, kind of what, where they're operating, what the sandbox are playing in, in is. I started my career working and emphasizing pediatric care for that population that had cleft and craniofacial deformities and ultimately bringing them through till surgery at an adult skeletally mature age, 17, 18, 20, right? And, and then it morphed into more of your classical line of mob, close the spaces, do, do whatever, you know, orthodontics. And I existed as an island, and then we built the practices and, and grew and had our hurdles and so forth. And what I would like to do and what I'm, what I'm hoping, um, although it isn't hope alone, it's hope of the plan I'm going to do, is to be able to integrate uh, our what I think are two major partners on either side of us, right? And on the one hand, it's pediatrics, right? Both in medicine and in dentistry, I'm focusing on the dental part of it. Though some of the real estate that I own has large pediatric medical practices in it. And so that feeds the pediatric dental and ultimately feeds that whole ecosystem, you know, particularly in that geographic region of the orthodontics and so forth. What I really want, I think you, you cannot build something great, light, meaning 
the ideas start off for most of us and they're brilliant, whatever the product is or whatever the, the business is. And then we start to cut things for a variety of reasons. And I'd like not to do that. And so what I want, what, I, what I'm trying to do is build a practice that brings pediatric, a pediatric patient pool within our sphere to be evaluated for orthodontics, to do it when necessary, and when not, to educate our pediatric dental partners to do things that they can do as good as, if not better than us, space maintenance, uh, expansion, things like this. Very, very simple intervention so that when patients are really ready, we haven't invaded their benefits, they're really ready for orthodontics. We can treat them orthodontically in a comprehensive manner or when necessary, two phases. And then ultimately, these patients end up going back to see their general dentist. But one of the things that lingers in retention is the oral surgical piece, right? So my why is, in three years from now, I really would love to have our group really be leaders in the way that a patient is moved through that life cycle, right? Not only on paper and on a spreadsheet, right, as a dollar amount, but really experientially. And I think where we shine and where we're really going to separate ourselves from everyone is that experience. Um, I don't think we have enough time. Maybe on a second podcast, I'm happy to go into it because it takes a lot of work and I'm afraid a lot of people are not going to do it. And I know that that that's the secret sauce of the success, which by the way, is no different from what you do in orthodontics, right? Really, when a patient comes into an orthodontic office, they know they need orthodontics for the most part. They know they're ready or they think they might be ready. If not, they want to be told when they're ready. And they want to be convinced that you're the right person or group to treat them. And they know that, right? Kind of like when we go buy a car uh, or whatever we go buy, we really know what we want to do. We sort of want to be sold on it, right? That's the psychology behind it. Yeah. And so if you do the right things in ortho, you get the patients, right? And then after you're done treating them, and hopefully they're thrilled with the experience every day in the office, and ultimately that product, because we do have to deliver a product, so they go into this vortex, this abyss, where uh, they're in retention, and most of us want to stop seeing patients after a year because they ask for it. And ultimately, we need to give them the tools, teaching them to fish rather than giving them a fish to be retained properly and, and know what to look for, right? And so somewhere along the way, we see them at 17, 18, 19, and their teeth have shifted invariably, right? And so I, I, part of the why is avoiding that piece. And the second part is, well, well where do I go to get my wisdom teeth? Um, and we don't really look at them and we just give them a referral and or two or three referrals and they go. And I want to bring that clinician in, into that process. And I know that there's no one better just like often there's no one better than the pediatric dentist to usher their patient into the orthodontic sphere, I believe there's no one better than the orthodontist or the orthodontic group to bring that oral surgical patient or that patient who needs oral surgery, right, in. And there's three places. There's, uh, and I'm not even talking about some of the other stuff, you know, placing implants for restorative dentists, the prosthodontic stuff. I think there are places where there's growth there and huge value for patients and practices there as well. But I think my vision for our group, where I want us to be in three to five years, is I want us to be leaders on a national scale in the way that that, that experience happens and that ecosystem happens. And I, I already have that in place and I'm going to start to run some of that. Um, and I, I, I want to make sure that that clinician is skilled, that clinician delivers 
you know, a wow experience from the moment they walk into the office, right? We, we eliminate this, that known dental smell of profi and that sterility, right? Which is a turnoff for patients because it signifies pain and a drab experience. And so I want to change that from, from the call to what the eyes see to what you experience. And part of that is really thinking of handing off that patient. And I'll stop on this because I know I'm babbling but how we hand that patient off to the oral surgeon. And it is engaging that parent or that adult patient at the outset when they're 11 or 12, right? This is where the power is. Before they've gone through that, that sucker, letting them know that part of where we're going to give them value is in educating them on the right time and the right person. Because you don't always go for a wisdom teeth. You don't always extract them, although you do a majority of time. And you don't always do it at some point in time but you always know when to do it if you have serial panoramic films. And the only person who has that, ideally, at that time, is your, your orthodontist. And so the vision is there's pedo, there's us in orthodontics, there's the surgeon, and we're really, really creating great value for the patient, even in terms of cost and access to, to those dollars, whether it be through some of the partners who, who lend um, like, you know, lending points and care credits. And it doesn't matter who it is, right? We're really creating value for that patient. When they know that and they go to one of our providers and, you know, they know that that person is vetted and excellent and we'll, we'll treat them really well, we'll follow up with them and they'll do it in an affordable way, transparently. I think that, that, that that's just huge. Man, that's beautiful. I mean, that's, that's knowing your ideal uh, client, ideal customer, ideal patient avatar, understanding the journey they take through their life cycle with you, expanding the life cycle. We will surely do another podcast on that. And, and I've been thinking of one around blue ocean strategies and some of that stuff. And I think that plays perfectly in that. So the, the, the good news is that we're going to rebrand this, the Perrin D and Steve G show. So the group <laughs> accelerator podcast is done. It's no more. We're going to rebrand it. The walker's out. You're in. I'm looking forward to the next seven or eight series together. It's going to be, it's been beautiful. nice knowing you to Walker. Thank you for your time. <laughs> we no longer need your services. <laughs> That's right. We're drafting legal agreements right now. I got a new show brewing. So you're a great man for uh, spending the time with us that you have. It's been a, it's been a true joy, a pleasure. I knew it would be. I didn't know it would be this good. Our audience is better for it. Steve Giannotsos, thank you so much for your time today. I, I can't thank you enough. I really do appreciate being on the show. It's my pleasure. And I just want to say one final thing as parting words. I was very fortunate to have many, many clinicians, men and women, open their door in their office, take a call, answer an email, advise me when I was scared or down and out or whatever. And and overwhelmingly, the message that they gave me was, look, you don't need to do anything for me, just pay it forward. And so I'm hoping that a few of the people who've listened today have learned a couple of things, again, born out of the disasters that I've been through and the mistakes that I've made, right? Because it sounds like there's a lot of wisdom, but that wisdom is with bruised shins and, and having been beat up and battered and black eyes and so forth, right? So... That, that's the the message you get a happy and healthy new year and holiday season and, and a year and a, and a future filled with prosperity i say look at the storm clouds and understand that there will be sunshine after that stay positive stay focused on your on your why um and pay it forward and uh, hopefully 
Aaron will uh, invite me back on and we can have a nice chat again. Count on it, my friend. We will, uh, there there are many episodes to come between us. I'm, I'm confident of that. We will get you back on the show again and, and appreciate your time being such a good friend of ours. Um, and uh, apologies on behalf of our audience for making you late on uh, the number one thing, which is patient care. <laughs> hey, not, not a problem. We had that covered. I thought I might be over and someone told me long ago that I have a uh, face for radio. So <laughs> I guess we... <laughs> That, no. makes two, that uh, makes two of us, Steve. <laughs> thank you very much, Perry. Our, our pleasure. Thanks for being on. And thank you all for being in the audience. Uh, as always, we appreciate the kind words, the ratings you give us, the feedback. Um, it makes the show worthwhile and, and really appreciate you sharing our show with so many of your colleagues. Stay tuned. We'll be back on the next episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. Take care, everyone.